Never imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total protonic reversal. Protonic reversal. Protonic reversal. With your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Gigantic middle finger to everything that is rocking about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with shot and nails. Confidence of a hero or fool, I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. Indeed, indeed, indeed. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact that we are all up in your face. It is time for the one, the only protonic reversal. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. Uh, Quarantine's edition, stay at home edition, holiday edition, whatever you want to call it. A protonic reversal. Talking to Darren Jackson today. The Mighty Kid Dakota. Most people know the record So Pretty and Nothing Else. Uh, he's put out a bunch of them. Uh, they're fantastic. He's an amazing artist, musician. Back in Minneapolis now, I believe, was teaching music in South Dakota for a while. Again, he's got some Dakota roots. Eager to talk to him about all that. Last time we talked to him, the So Pretty reissue had just come out, and Denervation was about there. I hadn't listened to Denervation that much at that time. It's a great record. Really underrated in the Pantheon. One of my favorites of that year, in retrospect. And, yeah, Age of Roaches is great. This is the new one that just came out. came out earlier this week at the time of this recording. And it's quite good. Quite good. You don't even have to like any of the rest of the records to uh, to dig on this. It's It's rock solid. Anyway, so that's me. Uh, that's, that's where I'm at. I know the show's been a little more consistent lately as far as scheduling. Uh, part of that is holiday stuff. It'd be disingenuous to say part of that also is because of my day job, which has been basically pure hell. So that looks to be in the rear view. I'm going to kind of make up for last time coming up. Uh, thank you everyone for sharing the shows around protonicreversal.com again for the archives, always patreon.com slash protonicreversal. To get the episode sooner, $1 a month will get you there. Uh, yeah, and just thanks, everyone, for sharing the shows around. That that's just uh, that, mean, that means the world. It's how people find out about stuff. Yeah, man, let's talk to Darren. Freaking Age of Roaches. Let's do it. We are here with uh, the one and only Mr. Darren Jackson of Kid Dakota. Darren, welcome back, man. Hey, thanks. Glad to be back. It's, it's, been, uh, it's been a bit. Actually, it's, I was trying to track it. I think last time that we talked was right before Denervation came out. It was like real close. It, it was uh, either it had just come out or it was right about to come out, something along those lines, if I remember correctly. I think that is correct, yep. Right after the So Pretty reissue came out. Correct, that- yeah, that's right, because we talked a little bit about that. Uh, Christian Lembeck from Whores did a uh, some some backup yelling on uh, <laughs> one, of yeah, the, one of the tunes. The, the, that's the correct, yeah. Friend of the show. So... 
start off with, uh, I didn't really get the chance when we talked last to really dig so much into Denervation. That's a really good album. I mean, we talked a bit about it. We talked a bit about the trials and tribulations that led to that. Uh, and, and I do want to get into the new record as well, but I realized in retrospect with having now uh, had some time with the record, uh, did you did you feel like that kind of got its day in the sun at all? Um, I don't know. Does any record get their day in the sun? <laughs> That's a good point, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the people that it, uh, the people that heard it liked it. I think you know, but it's always just a matter of of reach, and you know, I think unless you have some machinery behind you, it's, it's tough to get tough to get much reach these days. You know, the market's just so saturated, you know, and I don't know. I mean, I was happy with, uh, with the reactions that I got from it. You know, people that typically like my music seem to have liked that record. So that's cool. Yeah, so and, and it's something where I think the music of Kid Dakota especially ha it touches the, the people that do listen to it, the people that engage with it, it seems to mean quite a bit too. Uh, myself inclusive. And there's something to be said of of having that okay, yeah, maybe you're not known by millions or something, but you're you're providing value and, and um kind of lifting people up in a certain way that maybe you aren't if you're I don't know, matchbox twenty or something. Right. I, I think Matchbox 20 only puts people down. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I bring it up because, you know, we, we talked a lot in the, in the first time that you were on. Uh, and again, part of that was because of the So Pretty reissue. But the fact that out of the gate, you came out with this, I mean, EP, really, at first, that kind of later became a record that just had this seismic... Uh, kind of wave between people that are into a certain type of music and certain type of vibe before any of the architecture for any of that stuff really existed. Like mp3.com. If you say mp3.com now, people are like, ha ha, that's funny. I was like, no, it was, that was an actual it was thing. A real thing. Yeah, it was, it was a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's fascinating to me that we would be in a situation. Well, and, and it's almost, you know, in a way, again, you when you when you mentioned it being just like a crowded world out there, that there's just it isn't just all the music coming out now; it's all the music that ever came before. And uh, you yeah, know, good point. A new record comes out; it isn't just what you know what came out that month. That's what came, you know what has existed since the beginning of recorded music, because that's what it's up against. Absolutely. So that's a wildly different scenario to release a record in than it is. Uh, <laughs> You know, hey, let's put a thing on the internet. There's this new thing called mp3.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also, for some reason, the uh, the timing of when a record comes out, there seems to be some weird alchemy involved there, that if it comes out at a certain time, it gets more attention than others. I don't know how any of that tracks with the pandemic, but Age of Roses just dropped in December. I can't believe I just said dropped, and I feel terrible about myself for saying that. But... <laughs> You know, you're among friends. You can say that. It's 
so I guess I guess what what I'm going with all that is is first of all things are different than they used to be. B re- yeah. releasing music as uh you know as, as an artist with at this point um 20 25 year 23 year career something over 20 year career. Yeah. Yeah. What what do you what do you what do you think about all that? What do you, what do you think about releasing Age of Roaches which is freaking fantastic by the way. Um, in 2020, which of course is, is the trash fire of a year anyway, without all that. So, yeah, I think it's a pretty appropriate, uh, record for this year. Um, and I'm excited to finally have it released. You know, some of those songs are, I've been kicking around for a long time and I've been talking about making this record called age of roaches for quite a while. And then in the interim between when I started talking about making it and actually putting it out, I think I made a couple other records. So <laughs> some of those songs have been sitting around for a while, just waiting to come out, you know, and <laughs> I don't know, someone who is more, uh, I don't know. I, I make music because I, I like to make music and the idea of it being some sort of, lucrative career is that just seems sort of like an ever receding kind of fantasy these days, you know? Um, But someone who was more that sort of, with that sort of mindset would have been like, we got to get these songs out now, man. These are, these are hit tracks, you know? Got to strike with irons hot, baby. Yeah, dude, man. We just went on tour. You know, we played 10 shows out East and there were at least 10 people at each show. (laughs) <laughs> we got there'll be 12 next time <laughs> absolutely we keep going exponential growth uh so that, i feel know, personally I attacked by that by the way yeah go ahead <laughs> <laughs> absolutely i just wanted to you know make sure the record was right uh and it took a long time to make it right. I mean, I hadn't mixed a record in a while. So when I sat down to mix it, I would mix something and be like, yeah, that's okay. And then I would start digging in a little deeper and be like, oh, look what look what can happen now. And then I'd dig a little deeper and, you know, pretty soon I'd have you know, an exorbitant amount of hours logged mixing this tune. And it would it would have got to a place where I was like, wow, it, it, it really ended up being something more than I thought it was going to be. But um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm excited to have it out and I'm, I'm glad it's done. And I'm glad certain songs are finally out that Kid Dakota fans have been, you know, asking me about for yeah. literally decades. <laughs> Yeah, because because yeah, because a couple you know, as you mentioned, it's not like these were all, you know, songs written in the last couple months or anything. They've been kicking around for a while. Uh, not yeah, all exactly. of them, but I mean enough of them that where where it's uh, <clears throat> if you're somebody in the know, if you're a fan and you have the kind of fans that care about that kind of thing, then they're going to be like, hey man, what's 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 going on with that tune? Like, are we going to be able to hear that eventually? Like, what's what's you know what's going to happen yeah, first, I- the end of the world or this record coming out? <laughs> Answer you know, I, both. Got I got COVID here, man. I'm on a ventilator. I want to hear that song before I perish. 
That's my last request, exactly. Last request. Can I hear Age of Roaches, please? <laughs> is this what we need to do to make this happen? Whatever it is, I'm in. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, but, I mean, levity notwithstanding, you also bring up an important point that, you know, you're, you're, you're writing the stuff, you're recording the stuff, you're mixing, like, like you... You're involved in every piece of the process. And yes. what I found when I talk to people that that work like that is that sometimes, sometimes you know, you can kind of go down the rabbit hole a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there are lots of rabbit holes you can go down. You yeah. can go down the rabbit hole of like, I'm not going to finish this. And no one is going to be able to be like, dude, when are we going to finish that record? We got to get it out because you're the only person in the band, you know? And so you can go, yeah, you can go down the recording, the writing, the mixing, the editing, the not writing rabbit holes. And there's just the only accountability is is basically you, you know. Right. And, and not having that uh, extra set of people that like, well, I don't want to let down so-and-so ab- about this. Right. right, right. It seems like that'd be a lot of potential pressure, but then... Also, if you have the remotest doubts of any kind about what you're doing, it would be very easy to kind of go down that path as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, when I was finishing this record, I was teaching music. And I don't know if you've ever known any teachers in your adult life. <laughs> yes, I have. But it's an exhausting job. So... Yeah, on, I, on, I, the, I, on the face of it, that's enough work just to be like, oh, I doff my cap <laughs> to you, yes. <laughs> Let alone, like, doing anything other than that, right? Yes. So I was teaching, and and I was under the impression that I would be able to work on my record at night, and that that never happened. So I started I started this really strange routine, which I continue to this day. Um, and I'm not teaching anymore, but I, I started waking up at five and then recording from five until I went to work. And then I started getting up at four and then I started getting up at three and then I started getting up at two and, and sometimes as early as like one in the morning. So I go to bed like right when I got home from school, I'd take the dogs for a walk, have some dinner and then just go to bed at like six or seven. And I get up at like one or two and record and mix all morning until I went to work. Oh my God, man. And that's how the record got finished. I just got in this groove and it was like, oh, this is how you do it. This is this is how you save your best energy for your creative work, is that you do it before you go to work. You know? So that and so yeah, so the idea behind that is is that you've you woke up fresh. And the, right. ra- rather than being war- ground down by the the problems Just and challenges the of the tiniest, morning, yeah, to the tiniest nub, you know. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So that's that's uh, that's some routine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's like farmers' hours. Well, not even farmers' hours. That's like you're getting up before <laughs> the farmers at that point, right? Yeah, I'm sure all my neighbors thought like, oh, well, he's a music teacher. He's probably smoking meth or something, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the nonstop party that is being a music teacher, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, he's, he's got electric guitars. I've heard them. Yeah. 
<laughs> Clearly, he must be on all the dopes. <laughs> all the dopes. I, he's got a Bernie Sanders sticker on his car. Yeah, you know what that means. Total, total wing nut. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if, if you're not... So you're spending hours on working on your art in the morning. And then after that, <laughs> you're going into doing your teaching. I mean, yeah, granted, exactly. it's, enga- it's engaging a different part of the brain, right? But uh, it, it's... I mean, does it... Does it feel? Did it feel like you were like living a double life, or that you had like a secret identity or something along those lines? Because that's that's pretty extreme. I know people that do the same thing, but not to that level of uh, schedule availability. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it did. Sometimes uh, I don't know. I felt when I was doing that, I was definitely more invested in finishing my album, you know, because. There's something about an album, you know, I'm sure you realize this. When you start it, the finish line seems so far away. But it's like, <laughs> yes. It's a discouraging prospect, you know? But then when you get, like, three quarters of the way done, you know, which takes, like, who knows, a decade, maybe five years, maybe a year if you're, like, some superhuman person, you know? I appreciate the you, you, can, you look at things at the glacier like time scale for uh, kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Once you can, once you get to like seventy five percent done, and you can see the end. You're like, oh, I can do this. I can actually finish this. And then you sort of, or at least I do. I get excited, you know. And then, but I don't know. Just getting to that point is really it's hard, you know. So what was the you know, there should be there should be a word for that, and I would imagine it'd be German if it, if it if it exists. But w- when did you reach that point with this record? When 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 were you like, oh, this is a thing, and I just need to finish it now, rather than it being a vague amorphous concept that existed only in your mind? Well, oddly enough, it was when I I had I had like half the lyrics for this one particular song, and. I just could not finish writing the lyrics along those lines to that song. So when I threw those lyrics away and just said, you know what, I'm just going to write something different, write some different lyrics for this song. Okay. And that happened relatively quickly. And then I was like, okay, this song that's sort of been holding up the whole process is done. You know? Yeah. The roadblock has been removed for this. Yeah, exactly. And it was that simple, you know, sometimes I think I get too attached to early ideas and can't see other possibilities, you know, it's like, oh, I sang this stupid line when I was writing this song. And now I think like this, this line has to be like in the song, you know, this, that this song has to be about this, this line, right. Which can't go anywhere because it's not a it's not a great line and it just doesn't have I, I I don't see how to finish it you know maybe somebody somebody else could but I can't and so now I just got to write some different lyrics you know it's almost like you're treating it as a foundation for the house but it's the foundation for the wrong house exactly yeah do you remember what song that was it was called it's a a fox in a cage okay so that's that's a, uh, like the B begins the b-side i think or ends the a-side that is the yeah that is the beginning of the b-side yeah uh so how long how long did that process play out because again and and this is (laughs) this is something where 
the the answer to this is going to be of interest to numerous people but for the people that know it's going to hit differently that how long did, did this battle go on uh, inside your head about this 14 years <laughs> civilizations rose fell rose again exactly. we got rid of a currency now we're just living on bitcoin you know <laughs> We colonized the moon. Colonized the moon. <laughs> Still trying to put that square peg in the round hole. So, as far as collecting the songs together like, as a record, did you have like did, did the title the title track is the is, is you know it's the first song it's 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 a title track but definitionally it's going to be important to the record, but. Where did the uh, sort of gravitational force come from for all these songs to be this record? Like, when did that reveal itself to you? Hmm. Well, they sort of... <laughs> if Age of Roaches, that song is like this big magnet traveling through time very slowly. <laughs> right. From, like, its creation in 2004, it just sort of sucked songs to it you know like yeah <laughs> going along. there's an yeah. asteroid made of magnesium there's a you know some <laughs> other yeah matter. all these tiny little things trailing off it like yeah. help help age roaches has has captured us and we know not whither we go and so i don't know i it didn't coalesce until you know actually this spring when I was getting up at two in the morning and really just working, working, working on this album. And then it came together pretty quickly. You know, I think a lot of times, I mean, personally making music is just kind of scary. You know, it's like, I don't know, for me it is, I'm always like, Oh man, I'm going to suck at it. It's going to be horrible. Uh, let's just do something else. I had this, <laughs> Last year, I took this deep, big, deep That's a spirit. Trip. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Last year, I took this big detour into collage making, you know, where I was like making mm. a bunch of collages. Mm. The cover of this album is, is, a, is collage. a collage. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that's. Yeah. At least got some. I was just, yeah. I was super excited about making collages. I actually was thinking about going to graduate school for like visual arts and then uh you know so did you think what that, that, like i want something more niche than than music yeah, is that what you were thinking exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah i really want to invest my let rest of my creative life in collage <laughs> amazing <laughs> yeah and so uh i mean i was looking into schools you know and then but then cooler minds finally prevailed and i've been like darren you got to get get back to work on music. All right. This collage is cool. You can do that, but finish your record. So that was actually one of the things that sort of inspired me to get back to work on it actually, because I got obsessed with this other art form. I was doing it all the time. And then I was like, Oh, let's just take this work ethic, you know, and put it towards finishing this record. You know, do you think you were able to more throw yourself at that because there was less pressure? maybe because it's a format that 
you know, it's almost like, for lack of a better term, like a blank slate for you to imbue interest and meaning into? Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. And yeah, and it was just, you know, it collage is easy to feel successful at, you know, how long <laughs> you take. There's no right way to do it, really, right? There's no right way. And it doesn't take like 10 years to make a collage, you know, well, maybe for like a collage artist, it might, yeah. maybe they expect the same sort of. You, you, you know, have doctor the graduate degree collage makers and their master thesis that broke them. Yeah, you're you're like, well, how long did it take you to glue that one image on that other image? Ten years, man. It took ten years to glue those together. Right, 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 and and that's a. Uh... But so I was making like a collage, you know, every day, you know, like, you know, I'd go through stuff, old magazines. I had tons of, I bought tons of old books and stuff. And I was like going through stuff and I'd find, find things and, you know, make a cool collage every day. And I'd be like, ah, oh, see, I did something. Look at that. I'm artistic. <laughs> um, check, check that off the box. Yes. <laughs> but then at some point, you, are you are like are you in the back of your mind is like yeah but that that piece of asteroid flying through the flying through space collecting other asteroids called Age of Roaches is still there like was that was that yeah, in the exactly. back of your mind like, like it's a lot of pressure you know when you have an asteroid yeah and then you know it, it just but it was weird how those two worked together it was just you know sometimes I what I learned is that throughout this process of finishing this record is if it's not working, don't try to force it. Just do something else, you know, write some other lyrics, change the time of the song, you know, use some different chords, get rid of the stupid bridge, whatever, you know, um, you know, make a collage, you know, make, make, make a collage. It'll sort itself out. Yeah, exactly. Make 20 collages, you know, <laughs> whatever. So did did you think were you, do you think it was like an attachment thing that you were just so you know fixated on some of these parts and uh, ideas that you didn't feel like it you felt you felt like it really tied the room together? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I think that uh I mean, I was just so attached to some of the 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 lyrics and I I had I believed in their potential but I just couldn't actualize them. And that's the that's the thing. So have you had that kind of stuff in the past, or is it mostly just with this record? Because it kind of seems like, again, as an outsider perspective and coming out from the perspective of a fan, that just out of the gate seemed relatively self-assured, but with no outside pressure of any kind. And then as things went on, like, you know, as, uh, you know, From So Pretty to The West is the Future, Winter Shadow, like, you kind of had different not constraints necessarily, but different things that you were attempting to accomplish. It, some of it was almost self-internalized pressure. I, I mean, how much is that, do you think is just because you basically work alone? Yeah, I think that both of those things, working by yourself and the self-internalized pressure, um, you know, I mean, I think Age of Roaches is one of the better songs I've written. It's one of my yeah. my favorite songs of, of mine. And so I never wanted to release it on something that I thought, like, 
didn't support it well or wasn't up to its sort of standard, you know? Right, right. Hey, we got this compilation for the animal shelter. We need a song, you know? <laughs> well, why don't you use that one, man? You had that one sitting around for yeah, a while. Has that one ever been released? Well, no, but yeah. <laughs> Dude, that, this three-legged goat's going to greatly benefit. <laughs> <laughs> Baby goats, man, they need support too. <laughs> Nothing against we we love baby goats by the way. But. No, I do too. I don't even wear wool anymore. So, but that's you want you wanted to honor the song by giving it a, a release of distinction and importance that could kind of give it its own space and its own volume is what I would characterize that as. Yes, yes, and I I think I pretty much got there. You know, I mean, there's there's things that if I had a, if I sat around for a couple more years, you know, I could change about the age of things like. I listen back to it now. I'm like, God dang it! That snare bottom should be like a decibel louder. You know what the, what the wow. fuck? Man? Yeah, that, that that's some <laughs> uh, wow, that's some Steely Dan nonsense right there. That's yeah, it totally is. All the punk rockers that are listening to your show are just like, what's a bottom snare, Mike? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, what is, what is he talking? What is what does that mean? <laughs> but I mean that that's I mean that said there's a thoughtfulness to every piece of it like not just the composition uh but the sounds the mix like the way things hit the way certain things happen like it's clearly thought out and articulated mm. and yep. in, in a way that I think I mean there's been a through line with with all your stuff you know when there's like when there's a you know a bizarre air quotes effect uh, that that shows up in a song. It's not just there because hey, y'all check this out. It, it, it's there because it's it's achieving a purpose and it's doing so in a way that's, you know, either meant to draw dis- uh, distinction, uh, or a contrast, or to kind of introduce some other element that that's echoed later in a way that's sort of like if you're the kind of person that gives a damn about that, it's there for you. And if not, well, it's still there. But you're like, what? That's weird. Why did it do that? Right. I mean, I'd be more inclined to do that if I had a more uh, thoroughgoing sponsorship with ZVEX. You know, I would, <laughs> I'd put weird effects all over the place, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or Chase Bliss, like, oh, yeah, you you want me to highlight this? No problem. Yeah, like that, that, that uh, not to turn to gear talk for a minute, but that warped vinyl pedal, like, I'm totally obsessed with it, but I'm like, that that would not be good for me. I'm a caveman. That would not be good for me. That's a that's a great studio effect. That's something like you. Oh, that look at this cool thing that I can I can make it do and makes this unique sound you've never heard before. But it's like, yeah, I'm really gonna take that where it gets beer spilled on it, like on a stage in freaking Bumblefuck, Alabama. Sure, sounds good. Yeah, you need the new line of Chase Bliss disposables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, either that or you need to like have a. Well, I, I my my joke is with the 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 data corruptor from Earthquaker devices. Like it's like yeah, it's a fantastic pedal as long as you have someone else to operate it there for you, just sitting there like messing with it. Because there's too many options to it. It's sort of like it's not. It's it doesn't seem to me. It doesn't seem like something that'd be meant to be used live. And if, if it is, you'd be like, cool. Here's my one setting that I'm going to use, and like that's. That's it. Whereas in the studio, it's obviously it's a different scenario. It's a different world. But anyway, yeah, that's, that, that's the pedal talk minute. Uh, right. <laughs> I want to get into, but I mean, what I'm, but that's always kind of been a through line with everything. Uh, I mean, going back to all the way to so pretty. There's you know stuff where you'd have like effects you do in the vocals and um, 
you know, different things that, that really stand out because as, as far as, you know, I guess you call it production, right? As far as production goes, that would be something that was pretty adventurous, especially at the time. Whereas now it's anybody with a freaking <laughs> with garage band can like just dick around and do right. half that stuff. Like, you know, with no know. effort whatsoever. Yeah. But I was talking to Greg Sonier from Deerhoof just recently. And he's talking about how on uh, one of the records, like he just, he took a resampled queen drum hit and put it like in each space where like one of the drums were just because that's the sound that he wanted and spent like a year doing it. Whereas it's like, now you could just, you know, click, 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 done four seconds. Um, that's actually one of the default settings is that you don't even have to yeah. put them in there. Like <laughs> replace with all queen sounds. Boom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, have the, you have the Roger Deacon button. Yeah. The, uh, but, but I guess what I'm driving at with that is, is that, uh, you're coming from a place of, you know, when you're starting off, like some of that stuff is like four track, and 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 yeah. trying and trying to make something cool and interesting with that, rather than have the uh, the tool or the effects box or whatever drive the creativity. Uh, you have it like serve serve the song in a way that it's a much larger crayon box now. Yeah. <laughs> But it's almost like, is it paralytic to have that many choices? Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, I think it can be. I think you bring up a lot of interesting points there. I should let you answer I'm some of them. <laughs> okay, yeah, I will. I'm a big fan of early smog recordings, you know, like uh, uh, Julius Caesar and uh, Forgotten Foundation when he was making his four track records, um, which nobody even... Nobody even knows about those records. Even the Smog fans don't know about those albums, which is crazy because when I listened to those, you know, back in the 90s when I started making four-track stuff, I was like, oh, he's doing the coolest stuff on four-track, you know? And so that was always inspirational to me to, like, try to push myself to, you know, do something with what at the time was in an incredibly minimal arsenal. It was like I had a Vox amp, I had a Strat with those lace sensor pickups in it, and I had a plastic microphone that hooked directly into the, you know, you know, one of those tape tape recorders. And that was my setup, you know, and I took it out of the tape recorder and plugged it in the four track. And so, I mean, there was something beautiful about that simplicity, uh, whereas Yes, now we have so many choices, and I don't know. Let, well, let me say this. My first three records, three or four records, the ones I worked on with Alex Awana, the first two for sure, the first two for sure, um, and then he helped on the third one and, and the fourth one a little bit. Um, there was a, a vibe to those, and these last two records, I think, I'm starting to become much more of my own producer, not in, not just in the sense of like writing parts and coming up with harmonies, but in the sense of like crafting how they're going to sound, you know, in the mix, you know, because I think you can be a mix engineer now where you're just focusing on making things sound good. And then I think you're being a creative mix engineer is an entirely different thing right. just because of the abundance of, of things that you can do. I mean, it's just ridiculous, you know? And so I think, you know, 
the goal is not to be paralyzed, but to keep moving forward and to keep uh, challenging yourself, doing different things than you haven't done before and, and trying not to get, you know, trying not to second guess yourself that much, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I think oh, go ahead. the thing that, I think the thing that's important in that scenario is staying immersed in the project. Like if you leave a project where you're mixing this record and there's like 50 tracks on each song and you're like, I'll come back to it in a month. It was just like, you might as well throw everything you've done up to that point out the window <laughs> because you're going to sit down in a month. You're going to be like, what was I doing here? I don't, I don't have any idea. Why do I have this compressor on this snare? You know, yeah. where's my bot snare mic? God. Yeah, do you yeah. have to assume that the past you was thinking about doing something cool, but it, it's long since forgotten since then? Yeah, you just gotta forge. You gotta go through the the murk and the mire, and I think stay. You know, it's like being in the trenches. You know, you can't get up and have a smoke or whatever. You just gotta keep going through. <laughs> gotta stay with it. Yeah. So then, and again, that comes back down to the keeping yourself honest uh, with you know, completing things, but then also kind of having a limited universe in which to bounce ideas off of, which is to say that whatever your, your, your mindset that day is, is, is going to be <laughs> your band member, which is. Exactly. The, there's not a lot of bureaucratic red tape when you're the only <laughs> person in the band. You know, for, fortunately, I have several people that, you know, are willing to listen to mixes in various stages. And, you know, I'm not afraid to send them to people. I, I think mean, are I you sent, doing the thing? Where, I, you sent something to me. Yeah. <laughs> I think you, like, what do you think of this? And, you know, that's really helpful, you know, because there have been times, like even on this last record, where a few things that I was not going to do that I was originally going to do and then decided not to. Somebody was like, dude, why did you change that? That was awesome. Why are you, what are you yeah. doing? And then I went back to it and I was like, oh yeah, he's totally right. You know, I changed that. It was, it was a bad idea. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't AB'd the, the ones you sent me versus what's on the record at all. But I was like, it didn't, I mean, is, was, is it any different? I don't Cause I mean, I don't, I wasn't sitting with it all that time and you know, whatever, adjusting the bottom. My, oh yeah. <laughs> volume but, yeah. Or anything. But, but like when you first sent it, I was like, this sounds great. You know, it sounds yeah. awesome. And, and again, how how the listener is going to hear it versus how you are going to hear it are going to be wildly different, right? I mean, and that's something that oh. I don't think I'm staging <laughs> intervention by telling you that or anything. But <laughs> Really? Yeah. Ah, oh, all these years. I wish I would have known that. Yeah. <laughs> so did, but did any part of... So let's go back to when you were on the show last time. The, the So Pretty reissue had just come out. Mm -hmm. Did, did re-examining that material and, and those songs, and you know, obviously you were in a very different headspace at the time, uh, did that inform any of the process for finishing, we'll say, uh, this record and, and the things that came to uh, be around it? Because I know it's been years. It's been years since you since you started working on this, as you clearly established. But how much of that, like, do you even hear that as music, or do you hear it as a series of like, <laughs> you know, it's just ones and zeros? You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. Sounds that that exist within a memory. <laughs> um, 
I don't know. I mean, given that it has been such a long process, you know, I'm sure denervation and so pretty finishing those two things has played some part in it. It's just hard to specify what that part might be, you know. I'm not. <laughs> and the reason why I ask is because it sounds like you have, you know, exist, existent in your mind and almost a conspiracy theory board, like with like the lines connected to everything uh, with, with the records. So if you have all these things kind of existing simultaneously and then also you're, you know, teaching and uh, yeah. you know, existing in the world and, and whatnot, I, I just I just wonder how you compartmentalize mm those uh sometimes competing concepts maybe yeah i mean that's like most of what my life boils down to is just <laughs> disentangling and delineating yeah. concepts you know it's right. like if i can get a clear idea where a group of songs goes i mean and and finish all the lyrics for them that's success you know that's that's the point where i'm like okay i can I can get this done. Lyric writing is always the, I always feel like that's the most challenging thing, you know, um, and the thing that holds up most projects. But yeah, I mean, trying to decide which songs are gonna go on which records and how this record is gonna sound. And I mean, how records sound, Age of Roaches was recorded at, I mean, the basics done at three or four different studios, you know, and with three or four different drummers. So, I mean, in terms of personnel, I'm, I did most of all the other stuff, except for a few choice guitar parts by my friend, Jeremy Ovisacker, but, uh, it's just, I mean, the drum sounds were also wildly different. You know, it was like every song was its own adventure. You know, well, I couldn't I, use any of the same presets. You know, I had yeah. if I had a great sound for one song, it's like, all right, you're starting totally over from scratch with a new song. And if you try that same technique, you try it on that song, it's not going to sound good. <laughs> well, exactly. And I, I wondered if that was like more of a compositional tool than maybe it just happenstance because it, it reminds me of um. You know, if you listen to like the Who or the Yardbirds or something, like with these singles collections, where it's like, oh my god, these, these, how are these recordings so massively different? Like every part of this, like it's very clear that someone else was mixing this song versus like the song before it or whatever. But it also very clear that somebody was recording it differently, and that was like in the '60s. So I can only imagine, yeah. you know, what the differences might be uh, with you know putting something in the box as like this is the sound that we're we're doing here, and then like trying to cohesively fit it together into a unified vision right yeah i basically abandoned that ladder <laughs> you know i was like embrace the chaos <laughs> i embraced the chaos i was i approached it as on a song by song basis you know i just wanted each song to sound as cool as it could um and as good as it could and some songs were easier to get there and you know i i don't think and I totally know what you say about, you know, the experience of listening to older recordings like yeah. that. And with a stripped down kind of, you know, band approach, that's going to be very noticeable, you know. But I don't think, given I have no perspective on this, but I don't, I don't think listening to uh, Age of Roaches 
someone would say like, Oh man, those drums were totally recorded in a different studio. No, it's yeah, it's not going to be what people focus on, right? It's it's sort of like, yeah, I, I think about the I don't even know his name, like the drummer of Radiohead. You know, oh yeah, like nobody ever pays attention to what that dude's up to necessarily, unless it's like, oh, that's a weird sound. Like if something's just like super unnatural, oh, it's a robot. They put a bit crusher on it or some whatever the hell they're up to. Yeah, yeah. Then that's the only yeah. time anyone's ever noticed that dude because nobody's people are paying attention to the song. And probably right. whatever Tom York's on about, then rather than uh, the the drummer, that's it. You of know, course. I'm sure being the drummer yeah. in one of the biggest bands in the world is just fine too. But <laughs> he's probably doing all right. He's probably yeah. doing okay. Yeah. He probably doesn't cry. He cries himself to sleep every night on his gigantic bed made of money. Yeah, <laughs> he's probably made a bitcoin actually. Made a bit. <laughs> made a bitcoin. It's not very soft actually. Uh, so the but but what yeah I guess what I'm driving at with that is is overall the song and the compositional uh overarching themes are going to drive everything else so sort of like the individual sounds just have to fit together as like a a collage if you will a coll- oh wow way to bring it full circle i was gonna say you thought i was just wandering around there didn't you <laughs> i didn't know you were like a real professional <laughs> So, I mean, given that mindset and given the mindset of, of, you know, making a record in that manner and then also you know, taking a break of it to, like, learn this entirely new art form, do you think the collage making helped kind of helped you better understand what it is you were trying to do and how to accomplish that with the record? Uh, I mean, I would I would like to think that that was the case. Here's what I would like to have happen. I would like to take the collage idea and make a record based on sort of that practice mm. and that principle of, of uh, bricolage, you know? I, and I think that's what happens on those early smog records, which is why I'm, why I'm such a fan of those, you know? it's. Um, but I think this is, this is more straight ahead, you know? I mean, I think, I think it would be cool to push it more in that direction where it's like, yeah, we have these, minimalist uh elements that are very uh heterogeneous that are existing in the same space you know the same sort of sonic space and that's actually a really cool idea to try to you know think about making music more self-consciously as collage the only yeah the only thing i can really think of there's a milk cult record called project m13 where they got a grant from the french government and they did like a bunch of you know, they, they wrote songs, but it was like field recordings and stuff too. And they put—it's a really cool record, just because they—they they applied that concept. It's the only—it's the only one I can think of, other than like, yeah, sure, there's like Negative Land and stuff like that. But I mean, as as far as composed music that, right, had that right. as the overarching theme. Right. Um, that's literally the only one. I'm, I'm sure. I mean, I'm getting emails about this. I'm sure. I'm sure there are other examples I'm not thinking of. But <laughs> your inbox is just blowing up right now with fans. Yeah. Uh, dear sir, you you are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you are. Isn't that the the most uh, frequent subject title in your inbox? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's usually some. It's usually people. Honestly, it's someone referencing something that was said on the show. I have yeah. zero memory of because I'm like, wait, what? What are you talking about? And then they'll be like, oh, you, you know, this, so and so said this, and you said, I'm like, oh, I did. Oh, okay, just because at this point, like, I do it so much that there are certain things that stand out to me. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Especially when I was doing like five of them a week, where it's like 
Who said that? What are you, who are you quoting? You. Oh, okay. Who is that? I've never had that person on my show before. <laughs> I don't even remember that. Uh, but I definitely, I yeah. use, what I hear from most frequently besides that is someone telling me when I'm wrong about something. People love correcting, which is fine. I mean, I'm not saying I'm like the ultimate authority. I'm just some dude with a microphone. It's a collaborative effort, right? Exactly. It's, community, it's, community engagement is, is, is important for you, protonic rehearsal. It lets you know that people are listening. I, I, I actually, unless it's mean spirited, I like it quite a bit. Well, I constantly, I consistently like to see who's on your show, and I think it's super cool, man. Well, thanks, dude. I, I'm, You've really made something, you know. It's a. Uh, it's been nice for for this being like you know, in the better times, I've said life raft. Sometimes it's like driftwood that I'm just floating on the ocean in this bizarre time. And to find that it's given like some small manner of solace or distraction to people in these weird times is uh, that's that's very nice. I like I'm not, I'm not going to make a joke there. That's just, that's just very nice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but enough about me. The other thing I hear about is when I when the conversation turns to me, people are like, "Oh, I didn't like that." I'm like, "Well, I don't like it either, so it's okay." <laughs> we hear about you on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not about me, uh, but. It is about you. Uh, can we do the thing? I don't, I don't know if we did this last time. That's the other thing is I should probably listen back to the episodes when I have people back on. I don't. But uh, I think you're, you've got enough thought and intent behind it that this could be pretty interesting. Can we just go through the songs one by one? You can tell me a little bit about that. Try that again. A little bit about the, the lyrics, the recording process, any kind of banal minutia that uh that, that might be yeah, attached absolutely. to it cool absolutely so age of roaches for songs of the title track which i feel like we've covered a little bit but let's let's dive deep right uh so this song is interesting because uh i first played this with drummer christopher mcguire of uh 12 rod fame and also played with uh, john vanderslice um, I forgot he played with Vanderslice. That's right. Everyone was like, oh, he has a showy drummer now. It's like, it's the dude from Kid Dakota. <laughs> oh, you also played with the Mountain Goats, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And this huge band in Japan, I don't know if they exist anymore, called Karuli. Hmm, that one I don't know. Yeah. Big in Japan. <laughs> they played the Budokan, man. He played oh, the man. Budokan. That's rad. Yeah, that, that, that's a rock yeah. and roll uh, goal. To be sure. I mean, I think you get lifetime sushi for playing the Budokan. <laughs> it's just they, they just awarded to you. It's, it's, it's <laughs> a thing there. Yes. So, yeah, um, but uh, okay, so McGuire, yeah. Yeah. So he he initially played the drums, and so for a long time with this song, I had a recording. I had a take of him doing the drums, and then I had a take of Ian Prince doing the drums. Um who played with this band called Houston and he plays with this band called Porcupine now um, um, with Greg with, uh, Nolan. From, uh, who's her do? Who's her do? Yeah. yeah. And he has a new project out. I haven't heard it yet, but I've heard it's good. Um, and so for a long time, it, it I was just like, do I use Ian's drumming or do I use Christopher's drumming? Do I use Christopher's drumming in the verses or... Ian's drumming. Oh, man, talk about collage making, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, for a long time, I was working with Christopher's because he played brushes on it, on the the more delicate parts, and then sticks on the rocking parts, and I like that. 
but I just couldn't make it do what I wanted to do. And then I finally switched over to Ian's drums and it, it all sort of coalesced and, and worked out. So that's one interesting thing about that song. Do you think it was because the song just evolved and changed enough that, you know, whatever Chris was doing then just kind of didn't, didn't, didn't fit it anymore? I think it was just, I think it was Ian's drums were so much easier for me to make sound good on that song. And his part was just, it was because he didn't play any brushes. It was a lot more articulate and it was, I think it, I felt like that song just needed some crispness to it because the guitar is so crisp too. You know, it just needed to really be light and kind of dancey. It's almost a statement of intent for the record too. So you want to come in strong, right? Exactly, exactly. And the rocking part that Ian plays towards the end there is just, I think it's awesome. So, so Ian, Ian won, Christopher, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the only song that Ian is on, on the record. So then uh, next one we have up is homesick. Homesick. Yep. So, <clears throat> um, that song is about uh, sort of the death of the prairie. Prairie is kind of a consistent theme throughout this record. Um, and Christopher plays drums on this. And I really, I really enjoyed mixing this song because it sort of started out as this very like, boom, ka, boom, boom, ka, boom, ka, boom, boom, ka, you know, and I was like, okay, so that happens a long time and that gets a little <laughs> boring. <laughs> right, right, sure, yeah. So I was able to coax these really different uh, emotions and sections out of that, that, you know, sort of rock one tempo for this song. And I think that was really, that was really fun for me. Yeah, and, and do you have a, uh, I mean, it's sort of like the the song two on a record almost has just as important of a place as, as song one. Like what song goes in there? Absolutely, uh, yeah. In terms of sequencing yeah. and, and just keeping the listener engaged and hooked. Did you have any, uh, I mean, did this always kind of seem like, hey, this should be like, you know, right, right near the front? It seemed like it should be right near the front. For a while I had sequenced uh, Prairie Flowers as the second song. Yeah, because you, I think you even released that one as a single um, after the title track. Yeah, yeah. Bank Camp, right? Yep. Yeah. That was like mix 30 and probably mix 50 <laughs> made it on the, to the album. You know, when you make a bounce out of mix and it gets all those numbers half of it? Yeah, yeah. yeah like triple numbers, you know, like so pretty. I mean, uh, Age of Roaches underscore one, one, three. Yeah. You know? Final, final revision 74. Yeah, exactly. Final, final. <laughs> Like if you could use bigger fonts, you would, you know. Right, right, right. No, this one's actually the final though. This this one's definitely this is it. Oh, except for uh, hold on, I gotta adjust this now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and that you know, and so that's uh, oh okay, so 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 so, but yeah, homesick like being where it is. Uh, you you yeah. basically are saying okay, it's either gonna be that or prairie flowers. That's that that's what that's gonna say. And well, and and you mentioned the plains imagery, and there's there's a lot of it in here. Like you know, obviously, you know, fr from the title track, there's you know. Didn't make you think. Hey, what, a, did, what did happen with the Minuteman missiles? Yeah, like like they're still there, right? Like why? You know, that's that's and that's an interesting thing that it used to be. So now, 
bear with me on this. I'm going somewhere with it. The everyone focuses on like you know the COVID outbreak maps and like you know where where are the outbreaks happening, where are the hotspots for good reason. But you know way back when it used to be like, hey, nuclear proliferation. Where are the maps of where all the missiles are, and where where would those missiles be reaching? You know what? When when the world inevitably ends because somebody gets hot under the collar and pushes the button, you know what? What would that look like? Where would that be coming from? Where should you look in the sky for the oncoming apocalypse? Yeah, exactly. And that and may be a Gen up, X problem thing, but like that's definitely something that I thought of like the first time I heard it. Well, growing up in Western South Dakota too, where it was like you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a Minuteman missile site. You know, it's, you know, dad, what's that over there? Oh, son, you're too young. That's a, <laughs> that's a, a death cone. That's for you the know, communists. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's for the communist kid. Bye American. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that that's almost been pushed down the memory hole by more modern problems, but, Oh, yeah. But all that architecture is still there. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I actually went to, they have a site that's a museum now, which is pretty cool. And I know some crazy people that, you know, they, they go, like, exploring abandoned ones, which which seems terrifying. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that, that seems like a horror movie waiting to happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Trapped in the silo. <laughs> Volume five. <laughs> Volume five. <laughs> Uh, so, okay, but but yeah, yeah, so there's a lot of planes imagery now. So you're back in Minneapolis now, right? You're, I am, yeah, yeah. But you were, you were teaching in in South Dakota. You were back in South yep, Dakota I was, for a good amount of time. I, yeah, when I finished these mixes, I was, yeah. <clears throat> so just being surrounded by that and by that... Uh, by the by, those spaces, those folks, that culture. Did you think that informed any of the mixes at all? Um, I don't know. I mean, I really was a recluse when I was living in South Dakota. I mean, I would just get up at two and work on my record, and then go to school and teach. And everybody thought I was kind of weird there, you know. <laughs> They're like, he's got a Bernie Sanders. Even the other teachers, like, I, I think he's a Democrat. You know, I was like, <laughs> right. Dude, what? Yeah, I never met one of those before. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Wasn't there a burning? You know, here out at the at the Democrat cross the other day. <laughs> Guess we won't see him at the motorcycle rally. <laughs> yeah. So I mean. I guess I there was sort of a a peacefulness of waking up every morning when everything else had gone to sleep around there that was that was nice and reminded me of a South Dakota I feel like I've always loved I guess. Well, and I think you hit on something that there's a certain contingent of folks that either stayed and like have done tried to do something cool and whatever small way that they could within the Dakotas or folks that have left and always have kind of held it in their hearts in some ways, but, you know, kind of like with oftentimes with mixed feelings and, and mixed, uh, mixed, mixed emotions about current outcomes that, oh, 
Yeah. Which is the most charitable way that I can put that, right? But, <laughs> but it, it's it's. I mean, if it, it features heavily in the record, you know, there there's there's lyrics that you know speak about you know the, the planes, like sort of like planes lifestyle as envisioned uh, through the through the focus of the songs. And it's something that, you know, I don't think you get that outside of pastoral fetishism. <laughs> you know, the, the the dude that, like, maybe a guy goes to a cabin to go record a record or something where people are like, oh, yeah, okay, so you think that's what that is. Okay, all right. <laughs> I like that. That's like a new genre. <laughs> I mean, you know pastoral what I'm talking about fetishism. when I'm saying that, right? Where it's like, ah. Oh. All right. Oh yeah, it's like uh, it's like cashing in on rustic authenticity, you know. Yeah. It's like, yeah, <laughs> gotta, gotta gotta get that gotta get that rustic authenticity money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so well, so anyway, when when you when you talking about uh, and and again, we're actually specifically talking, I guess, about the second song for Homesick. Like, what was in your mind uh, lyrically on that one? Um. It was well. The, the coolest part of that song is in the is in the sort of breakdown section, where I'm just I'm just really trying to capture this. Uh, even though I hate the word capture, it's like I'm trying to create this feeling of complete sort of like desolation. So my favorite lyrics are. Um, how do you feel when you think of a sunken ship resting, resting on the bottom of the ocean floor? How do you feel when you think of the prairie winds blowing, blowing through homesteads that don't exist anymore? How do you feel when you think of the stars that are shining, shining despite the fact that they no longer exist? So it's like this presence and absence kind of uh, trope. Um, but yeah, I mean, just trying to evoke a sense of space and, and nothingness and emptiness and just your encounter with the, the celestial void. And that's kind of where I was going at with the, uh, pastoral fetishism and, you know, <laughs> good, good times that, that never was. It, it seems like you're almost kind of calling out, uh, as a larger concept, you know things along those lines of, you know, having these memories of things, but it, it being just that, like just a memory, and uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Really is. and that's it, it's. It also occurs to me that you just don't see that much because either people don't have the lived experience to tell it, or they don't aren't using their platform to do it. So it, that that song kind of struck me specifically. Mm. Yeah. With that as kind, I, as kind I of, I actually hadn't thought about that as a calling out, but I, I like that. I mean, if not explicitly, just sort of like, you know, by, again, studying contrast, right? Like, you know, it, it, yeah. that's that's where my head went. Uh, you know, maybe others might have a different experience, but. Yeah. So talk about prairie flowers now. Right. So, I mean, prairie flowers, this is a song that was, uh, most of it was written quite a long time ago. Um, and it seems to go well with the sort of obvious prairie theme. And uh, the ending of the song is, that's where I 
had the most fun as as of late in terms of making something that I didn't know was going to happen, you know? Um, so that has a sample of Rachel Carson from Silent Spring in there, uh, which was a book, I think it came out in the late 50s, early 60s, about the dangers of pesticides. Yeah, yeah, and it's a very evocative sample because it kind of fits with the, the more, um, you know, the larger theme of, like, like this isn't just like a, you know, lived, exp- lived experience uh love song would be the wrong word i'm trying to think of that uh, <laughs> paramorous activity this this is sort of like ties it more into like the overall like kind of rot yeah yeah kind of yeah it's definitely an apocalyptic kind of vision of what a pesticide um ridden world would be like so at the beginning of the book she most of the book is very factual and scientific and argumentative but at the beginning she paints this this picture of a community which is blight blighted by all of these um environmental uh catastrophes and she and what year was this that that was this written was this late 50s i think yeah which is, is which is astounding because you think about you know i mean there were just People hated her. I mean, oh, I'm sure. there was so much moneyed interest that, you know, wanted to silence her. And and she received all kinds of death threats, you know. And it was a major, major deal when that book came out. It's you probably know? not as popular as cholera, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> as popular as COVID, too. Yeah, exactly. As it turns out, COVID as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was – I mean, I think it's – I, I like the way those two parts of that song work together. Um, they were actually going to be different tracks for a while. One of them was going to be called, the first part was Prairie Flowers. And then when the that part comes to a, a sort of re, a retard and it ends, yeah. then it was just going to cut to the next track, which was going to be Here Comes the Dreaded Night. But then I thought, ah, that seems a little too complicated. Let's just keep it all one song. And I only had eight songs in the album, so I wanted to have four on one side. <laughs> yeah, the, the, symmetry. the symmetry symmetry is a big deal, yeah. For Guides sure. my life, you know? Um, yeah, but there's some... I, I really like some of the lines on that particular song. Uh, let me see. She, Home where the wild grasses grow up to your waist, where if you slept with too many, your name's a disgrace. Cause there's God fearing people who spread rumors like a disease in a brothel on Saturday night. I really like that. That's yeah. like, like the, uh, the, the, the sort of the, uh, the, the idea of like the gossip being like as uh, infectious <clears throat> as any, anything. Else. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then the the first chorus of that song was written about one of my experiences when I was in jail back in the 90s. Mm. <laughs> and, really? uh, okay. yeah, I mean, that's too long of a story. I think we maybe we have gone into that story I, before. But you, oh, yeah, I wish I, I, I wish I could, I wish I could remember. I wish I could remember anything that happened in the show other than the present moment. But I, 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 I seem to recall you alluding to it at least, and kind of like maybe given like the highlights of that before. So we don't have to get into the details on that. Yeah, That's fine. you should have those things like queued up. 
be like, well, last time on the interview, you said this. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, it plays uh, the, plays the clip. Uh, yeah, yeah. If, yeah, yeah. If I had a staff, I would definitely do that. Like if this was a profit-making entity and I was able to pay someone to do that, I just, I'm not going to do it yeah. myself. And I'm lucky I can hold the yeah. angle here, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, okay, so the, so then originally you were thinking, hey, that's going to be two two songs, but then you kind of put it together, which makes sense because, yeah, again, that the back half of that, <coughs> it kind of right. takes a turn. So it makes sense that original link was conceived as a as, yeah. as two different tunes, uh, and that's um, that's that's Chris on the drums on that one. It is, yep, yep. Now let's bring up the point too that uh, I think we got into it a little bit last time, but with people almost like obsessing on on, on that first record and the, the quote unquote Kid Dakota classic. Line, right? <laughs> it hasn't changed any, man. It's like yeah, I, it's just... I, <laughs> I still see it all the time. You know, like every couple days in a, a Twitter feed or something, people will be like, "Kid Dakota," you know, like these kids are like eighteen or nineteen. Yeah. It's weird. Well, because it, it kind of it hits, it hits in that way that if, if it kind of hits, it's it, it's a perfect thing to hear at a certain time. And that's never going to change. And because it is such an interesting sounding record, and because the songs are good, like what you know, if the songs were good and it wasn't interesting sounding, maybe it wouldn't wouldn't have that. You know, if it was interesting sounding, and the songs weren't good, maybe it wouldn't have that appeal. But it is something that people can discover all the time. And then there's almost this mystique and mystery that are are built up behind it, where it's like, yeah, you know, there's like five or six other records, right? Like, I mean, there's more than just that one. Like, it's if you like that. You know, at, I at bare minimum, you like Pilgrim on the one immediately after it. And then, like, you know, Denervation is actually really underrated. You know, like, but nobody's people are like, oh, what? No, I'm just going to replay this. Okay. I think some people are actually disappointed that there are more records. They want it to be like this, <laughs> this like gem right. that this person created and then they were never heard from again. Like the, the They're like, searching for Sugar Man oh, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did you know he like teaches music at a high school? Then they'd be like, <laughs> I'm never going to listen. They put a record again, man. Yeah, like this- like the reality of uh, <laughs> of the fact that you're a human and artist that has continued to make art is inconvenient to the myth. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that that's a larger question than tagging on the end of uh, l- listening to one of the songs, but it is something I've I've uniquely noticed with your stuff, uh, probably more pronounced than any other, and maybe that's because the cultural cachet and, and reach that that record had hit at that certain time where things were more mysterious, like the idea of the art and artist being like completely a unified thing with like a, without a presence wasn't, wasn't a thing. Like it was still sort of like, wow, what do they look like? I don't know. There's just this one picture with a dude with a bloody nose, I think. And this is years before Andrew WK too. Right. So this is, this is, you know, Iconic yeah. image, and and that and people get to imbue whatever they want into it, and these kind of mysterious sounding songs are you know dark in nature, but have like a heart to them. But I think you're onto something that it's almost like inconvenient that you've continued to make records, even though the records I think like if you if you have a genuine interest in what that is, there's a lot to love in like all these different records. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. almost like if you had made a so pretty part two, that like maybe you would be able to like build a career around that. But it wasn't what right. you were going for because why? Why would you want to remake the same thing? Exactly. <laughs> God, God. 
<laughs> yeah, more more songs about apocalyptic junkie chic, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that we have to get this. You'd have to put it in a more pretentious way. You have to like burrows it up a little bit. Yes, you know? exactly. But I, I mean, I, mystery, mystery okay. does play a large part in, you know. Uh, I mean, obviously, in advertising, image creation, you know. Yeah. I mean. Not that I'm comparing myself to Neutral Milk Hotel or anything, but look at the fact that he kind of did that one record, yeah. you know? I mean, there are a couple of things before it, and then he's just like, I'm good. Yeah, and he sort of pieced you know? out, and then, again, kids discover that record every year, and they they like, oh, it's so... Yeah. Did you know it's about Anne Frank? You know, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, I did. It's about Anne Frank. Oh, okay, cool. You know. well, do you know how it's about Anne Frank? Yeah. I have no idea how it is. It doesn't it matter. Is. He's singing about. I think it might be Christian music too. He sings about Jesus Christ in that like seventeen times that one song. Oh, okay. I'm sure he's a vegetarian. There's <laughs> carrot flowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, he, was, he lived on a rabbit, a rabbit's diet. <laughs> Good. And, and the, the reason why I'm going down this particular rabbit hole is because like when I was when I was thinking about it, like after I really really dug into denervation, which last time we talked, I really had, I I only kind of like listened to like one once or twice. It's sort of like. It was like the adult version, in, to some degree, of, of what you did with So Pretty. Like, as far as, you know, not necessarily subject matter, obviously, and not necessarily, um, you know, apples for apples, but just in, in terms of how it would hit to a listener. And then it occurred to me, it was like, people should be listening. Why aren't people listening to this record? Like, this this is, you know. And, yeah. And, I, what, what is I ever the even, answer to that? I don't know, but... I don't even think the subject matter is that far off. I mean, when you think about like pills and yeah. and hope and you know the denervation and all of those songs, any of those songs could have like been on so pretty. You know, they, they yeah, they sound sound wise and subject matter wise. I guess you're right. You could just like slot them in, and it's 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 like just vague <laughs> enough that it's you could be like, well, what is he talking about? Well, I think it's heroin. Well, I think it's because he was in this terrible accident and you know was going to lose a limb. You know, exactly. Yeah, you know, right. Your own crossword puzzle for that, I guess. But it, it astounds me that uh, I don't know. Like, like it, it's it's weird that to me. I guess I could just say it's weird to me how people discover stuff because I just I, I feel like the more I try to understand it, the less I understand it. Like it's just like you can make yourself crazy trying to uh, trying to work it out. But even before the reissue for so pretty, like again, that's a record that it doesn't die. Like it continues to have a life. You know, not necessarily yeah. in the way that, like, you know, Minor Threat, like the Minor Threat discography does, like not on that level <laughs> necessarily, but like it yeah. it is something that people discover every year. And, and I mean, that, and that's great, but it's like that was what you did out of the gate, you know, right, know. right after the starting gun. <laughs> but but here's the thing, though. Here, I mean, it still I slams, though. I listened to it the, the other day. I was like, this record's great. Like, I see, like, it's like, I, and I've never, you know, had any doubt about that, but it's like, I get it, but it's like, but these other records are great too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that if you're a good songwriter, I think some people become better songwriters over time. You know, their early albums, are, they suck and they become, they get better at it, you know? And some people, they just know what, they just find their voice before they record their first album. Unfortunately for me, I was like 29 when I recorded that record. And I had gone through years and years of writing songs before 
I got to that point where I made that. And so even though it was a first record, it was like, there was like 50 or 60 songs that I was picking out of, you know? <laughs> right, right. It's almost like you your first four records some, written and then you just kind of were able to. Right, right. So, I mean, some of the songs on Age of Roaches could have been on So Pretty, yeah. you know? I mean, so, except for Denervation, which was all new songs, some of the songs on Listen to the Crows could have been on that. You know, I think there were some demos actually of some of those songs or, you know, West of the Future. There were some songs that could have been on that Winter Shadow, too. But I mean, I think if you're a songwriter who has a vibe or a style, you don't necessarily. I mean, it's more likely that you're going to get worse, I think, than you're going <laughs> to improve, you know, I mean, the goal is I hope not. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, I think the goal is just to keep making things that are as fresh as that first thing you did, you know? And I mean, I think it's different for different people and, and there's no like judgment as, as opposed as to how your songwriting evolution takes place. You know, it's circumstantial, but for some people, they just start out where, you know, they're already kind of there, fully formed, you know. Sprung when forth from the head of Zeus, fully formed. Yeah, yeah exactly. <clears throat> I mean, I think older people that make their first record, that's more often than the case than someone who's like, I'm 20 years old and I got in this situation where I'm on this cool label and I'm making a record, yeah. you know, like like Radiohead is a great example of a band that like. <laughs> yeah, the, first, the first album kind of blows, you know. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but you they know? got it together and they, you know, and they, and they got, you know, very interesting, yeah. found their voice. And then they like, you know, freaking kicked into warp nine after that, you know, good for them. Absolutely. Even Nirvana's first record, it was cool, but not nearly as good as their other records. Yeah. I don't think Yeah, it's like, I mean, with the exception of about a girl, sort of like, yeah, I like the Melvins too. You know, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> good. It's good. This is a good record. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Melvin's record. And I think in, in in days of your speaking of Nirvana specifically, I'd be like, oh yeah, well Bleach is you know it's it's so much better than Nevermind, you know, just that contrarian kid thing. And then I'd go back and be like, no, it isn't. That it isn't as good as Nevermind. No, it it, it that, what I was thinking about is like the production and like the fact that yeah, you know, whatever on some subconscious level, I wanted to show that I was a true fan because I've listened to all the records and you know, like, okay, whatever, and like all that stupid yeah, kid cool. stuff. And it's like, I mean, I think that's a, I, th- I think that's a big motivating thing, though. Yeah. You know, like with any artist, is like to try to prove that you're uh, a real fan. You know, <laughs> you know, you know the first records. You know their, you know their baby steps. You know, you're you love it all. You, you know, have you all the merit them. badges on your sash. Yes, exactly. <laughs> your fandom merit badges. <laughs> the uh, okay, so whoa, 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 okay, so. That was Prairie Flowers, and yes. you know, in a whole sub episode. <laughs> uh, two days into the first side of the record. Oh yeah, two days. Um, I mean, that is a that's another old track um, that was never really slated for this record. Like the big uh, meteorite gravitational pull only pulled that song 
onto its uh, orbit very recently. Right. Um, that was going to, I don't know where that was going to fall. I mean, there are actually, there's actually kind of an upbeat, if you can imagine it, bluegrassy version of that song, which is all in a major, all in a major key, which is how that song was originally written. Wow. Really? <laughs> really? <Yeah>. Okay. <clears throat> and then I came up with this totally different version and a friend of mine named Joe Gaskell, who is always like, he's always a great uh, barometer for when I'm messing something up. Yeah. I was, you know, it's like, I was like, well, I'm going to probably record the, you know, the happy bluegrassy version on some acoustic record that I make someday in the future before I die, maybe. And he's like, no, dude, you got to do, you got to do this dark, somber, you know, slow, atmospheric version of that song that's yeah. amazing and so i was like yeah yeah and then I, I was like it could go on this record and so that's one that i recorded completely while i was in south dakota and i had recorded a version of it earlier the dark version when i did one of the initial sessions for this record with alan sparhawk in duluth but it just didn't feel right, so I re-recorded it in South Dakota. And so, and I slowed it down. And I mean, for two verses and two choruses, it's a pretty long song. It's like seven, seven minutes Seven plus minutes, I'd say so. Yeah, I mean, in, in, but it's interesting <laughs> that, you, that you mentioned that. But I mean, not it doesn't seem long, which I guess what I'm getting at. That sounds insulting when I say it that way. But when you talk about having like a major key version, I just... Um, uh, I, I think of, of the Will Oldham song where he did the, uh, uh, oh Christ, what's the name of that fucking tune? Um, it's, it's like my favorite Bonnie Prince Billy song, but it's totally bragging on it. But he did like, I a, see darkness. yeah, he did like a major key, like version of, I see a darkness. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's like from a perspective of how a song can sound completely different. It's almost like, do you remember the what's happened a while ago? People were recutting movie trailers, like the shining, but it was like a, a coming of age father and son movie or something. <laughs> right. Like yeah, they, yeah, they would yeah. recut scenes from it to like, to like just recontextualize something where it's like, Oh my God, that's hilarious. Yeah. It had, it had that same effect to me. But where I was like, no, no, wait, what? No. What is the, <laughs> what the, what is going on right now? But like, it was kind of cool in its way. I'm not throwing it on because I don't like that song is so beautiful and has like such a personal association with me that I'm like, ah, my God, no. It's like, you know, it, it's it's like, a, you know, the only thing worse would be if it was like ska or something where it's like, no, cut that out. Stop. It's not. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If they pick it up, pick it up. <laughs> I see a darkness. Pick it up, pick it up. You know, I. Oh, that's terrible. Wow. Uh but by the same token, Will Oldham is never going to watch your show again. Yeah. <laughs> Love to have him on. That'd be great. Uh, but I, from a perspective of you know hearing the song and hearing that it worked that way, because a good song is a good song. Like everything about the song was different, every piece of it. But it was the same song. And, and and that occurs to me that I could very much see that with that song that, you know, rather than being, you know, dirty, maybe the wrong word, but like. I think dirty is pretty good. Laborious yeah. and, uh, you know, just kind of 
grinding Turn. forward. Yeah, then you it's kind of like something that you could play at a at the roadhouse and folks yeah. can dance to or something, you know. <laughs> it's, it's pretty it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty wild. Uh so that and that's in, I mean, so how do you feel in, in terms of tone and scale? Like do you feel like you have to be this this um <laughs> this sort of dark prince of <laughs> <laughs> of things based upon that's what people vibe with? I mean, or does that ever really come into play and you're just going to do whatever you're going to do? You know, I have felt that way. Maybe more self-imposed feelings, you know, than than other people making me feel like that, but less so now. I mean, I might make like a, a garage punk record next, you know, like, right. like, like the OCs make all the time. You know, I think that'd be cool. It might be unexpected too. Yeah, have you ever had John Dwyer on your show? No, when I should, because I know that guy from San Francisco. Like I, we used to play shows together and stuff, and I really should. Dude, I know John Dwyer from Providence, Rhode Island. Oh, so you know him all the way from back then? Wow, wow. Yeah, I'd love to have him okay. on. I should, I should, I should look into that. I wonder if he still has the same email. I haven't talked to him in like ten years, but I don't think I've talked to him in probably twenty-five. <laughs> okay, well, it's not a contest, Darren. All right. <laughs> See, on John Dwyer longer. <laughs> yeah, because he pl- we uh, we both played. Um, it's the only time I ever did South by Southwest. Mm. I think it was the last time I saw him. Was, I think it was about ten years ago, if I remember right. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Dwyer would, would be interesting for sure, but not as interesting as a fox in a cage, which we talked about uh, briefly being the uh, the B side starter. Yeah. Starter, yeah. first song of the B side of the record. Right. Yep. Um. So that, God, that one features, again, Christopher played some drums on that. And I had another drummer play some drums on that. So the third drummer that played drums on this song, uh, Justin Corhonen, he finally played the part in the way that it should be played. And so we used his drums. And... And... I was just sort of inspired by like, well, there's kind of an arc to the record. I think, you know, it it starts out with these themes about the prairie and about isolation. Yeah. And, and then, then it gets, it gets very dark when you get to uh, two days, which is a song about treatment really. Yeah. One of my favorite phrases that I heard in treatment was like, dude, how much time you got left? And the guy's like, two days in a wake up, man. I was like, that's amazing. Yeah, that's a, two that's, that's an evocative, evocative phrase for sure. Yeah. 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 And so then Fox in a cage is like, it's like you're in treatment. You know, it's like you're, you're trapped, you know, it's yeah. like this claustrophobic kind of cage like feeling. And I think the song kind of has, you know, we use these sticks on ice cube trays and I think it sounds like, Oh, an, that's an, what an that is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cage, you know? it, it sounds wild. It, like it's, it's kind of unclear what the hell that is, but it sounds crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's something I always go back to is ice cube trays. I don't know if anybody's, nobody else is picking up on it. You know, like you ever used an ice cube tray on, on a record yet? I've, I've used a lot of weird crap. I've, I have never even conceived of using an ice cube tray. Is it a plastic one or is it like a metal one? Is there a specific plastic, kind? Plastic. plastic. Yeah. Okay. Think of the vistas that are available that are opening up to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Wow. All right. Learning production techniques. I'll steal that. 
yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, so yeah, and that was the last song that I mixed, which is the only one that anyone helped me with. Justin sort of helped me with it because I was just having a hard time making the snare sound the way I wanted. The bottom snare, of course, was the, the culprit again. In that <laughs> Yet again, that, that, that rap scallion, the bottom snare. I know. It's just, you know, just use Steven Slate drums. Just replace them all, all the time. <laughs> no, we don't need it. Just put some MIDI ticks in there. Yeah, yeah there you go. Anyway, yeah. Did you have a specific thought as to uh, that one? starting off the b-side for people to do listen to stuff on record or being like in that midpoint in the record for people to listen digitally i i mean i did waffle a little bit between that one and cold war um but i thought i thought cold war was just butting that up against two days was just was just it's kind of brutal too much yeah. I mean, for people that actually listen to records anymore, you know, which is like me and you. And, <laughs> and at least 10% of the people that listen to the show. So, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> not, not exactly uh, movement numbers, but, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> ever, ever diminishing, but they do exist. Right. So talk. Yeah. So let's then that that's a fine enough segue. Talk about Cold War then, because, yeah, that's it. That's a heavy tune. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wrote that song when I, that was going to be a piece of denervation, but it just never felt like it fit that record. You know, it just, I don't know, sonically, it just wasn't in the same vibe. Um, And, and I also struggled with the lyrics for that a little bit. Um, How so? I just, uh, I, I didn't know how to, finish the write the first verse <laughs> took me a long time to write the first verse i had the second verse which was initially the first verse and i was like well this doesn't feel like a first verse to me so it's the second verse and uh and then we recorded that song at at pachyderm and when i when i got it back <laughs> which is where we did all the stuff for denervation the basic tracks when i when i listened to that track i was like crap you can hear the click track oh right yeah yeah <laughs> the yeah, click yeah, track yeah is bleeding through yeah. you know i was like and and so i put that song on the back burner because i was like we're going to re-record it and then i went back to it last year that same recording that same take and i figured out a way like oh it works I, if I get rid of all the other drums and just use the kick and I think there's a kick and a floor tom and I had a couple gates, it was like, oh, it works. It's fine. There's enough stuff going on. You don't hear any of the click. So, that, so that's interesting. The, like the accidental like bleed for that kind of led to the production choice of it. Kind of, yeah. Kind of, you, you, the, the rhythm uh, changing up to being some more, a little more uh, Spartans, the wrong word? No, stripped down. Well, I think that, I mean, it ended up just couldn't use any of the room mics. Yeah, because there's bleed, because there's, yeah, if there's bleed, there's bleed. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, the part was still the same. Um, the other interesting thing about that song is when I initially wrote that song, I recorded it on my phone, and then that recording was used in a movie. 
Oh wow! My phone, <laughs> my phone recording. Phone recording, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, if that's the way you operate now, I feel like this world is made for you. Like, if you're just like, yeah, I just record this on my phone, away it goes. Great. <laughs> I'm simultaneously annoyed and envious of you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have like a billion, you know, memo voice memos, yeah. like <laughs> just digging through them. But I found that that's kind of fun. Like, I'm like, oh, I forgot about this. Totally forgot about that. Yeah. Had no, I don't even know what this is. I don't even remember recording this. Yeah. Did you, I was going to say, do you have the moments of like looking back on something and being like, oh, this is interesting. What What is what is this? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm like, did somebody else record this? Yeah. Is this- I don't <laughs> sound like me. Who's on my phone? <laughs> Who wrote a song and recorded it to this phone? <laughs> Thank you, alcohol. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, 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 anything else? Anything else for that one? For for Cold War? I, just, I really like how that song turned out. I really, I all of it just, you know, I couldn't be. There's, you know, there's always songs where like, yeah, I could be happier with it. But that song, I couldn't be happier with it. There was some, there's some cool stuff in the outro, which I did with like some crazy sound toys. Uh, yeah, effects. I was I was I was gonna ask what what like what I put them on the was. snare, yeah, maybe by accident, you know, and they started doing all this crazy stuff. I was like, that's awesome, yeah, you know, happy accident. It, it fits the vibe. That, that was only after you know that was that happened after being in the mixing tunnel for like days on this song. <laughs> you, know, you get these little Colonel Kurt style, yeah, like getting yeah, totally. <laughs> Like somebody can come up and tap you on the back and be like, you don't even feel it. Yeah, exactly. Deep in it. Deep in it. Yeah. So then Future Side. Future Side. Oh, man. That chorus. Now think about a young Darren Jackson who's like obsessed with Nirvana. Mm -hmm. Not the chorus, but the verses. And that's that's the verse for like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to write songs like Kurt Cobain does. And so then I wrote a chorus that was exactly like a chorus that Kurt Cobain would have written, but not as good. And then <laughs> that's, how that, that's how that song lived for like a long time. This was, you know, in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. And then starting around 2010, I was like, I should try to rescue this cool verse from that horrible chorus it's tied to. So then, yeah, like Candlebox have or, a chorus. Yes. <laughs> so so then, chair. I was thinking of Silverchair, not Candlebox, but Candlebox also <laughs> sucks. So. Yeah. so then, just chorus after chorus, you know, I just kept coming up with them, and you know, finally, I was like, "Oh, this one's great," and you know, but it was a really weird process, you know, and I think, I think some people they don't appreciate the fact that you got to let songs just be what they are, you know, until they're, until you don't have to force them to be done because you're not going to win. You know, you're going to lose if you force the song to be done, just keep working on it. Don't force it and be like, yeah, it's pretty good. I'm pretty happy with it. Wait until you have something that you're, you know, excited about. And maybe it takes 10 years or 20 years or, you know, but it, do you feel like the culture, Uh, of uh you know and sorry to interrupt but i i feel like in terms of you know like spotify bro ceo talking about how every artist should be 
whatever, releasing stuff monthly, or whatever the hell that idiot was on about. Uh, clearly, I'm a little biased. But uh, do you think do you think that mindset, though, is causing people to be less thoughtful in, in that way in general, an artist? I mean, I think that's contributing to it. But I mean, I think it affects people. I mean, there are people that I know that are, you know, they finish these really good songs all the time, you know, and I'm like, but just wait for a little bit and make it a really, you know, I'm not saying my song is great, but just wait for a little bit and your song will be better than just really good. It'll be great. You know, but you're, you're always, you're so concerned about just finishing stuff, you know? Right. And, and I think that it's that pay, you gotta have some patience, a little patience. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> you ever had Axel Rose on here? Oh my God. You know what? I have not, uh, I, and I, I, I sometimes talk about how the fact that I've turned people down. I have not turned down Axel, by the way, but I, I don't actually care for Guns N' Roses, but with his recent political awakening on Twitter and whatnot. Well, I don't know about it. Oh, no, he, he's like, he full on, like, took a hard progressive turn, uh, which is, Whoa. yeah, which is not, which was like. Uh, what did they I say? You're gonna say he went all Ted Nugent. No, like, no, Ted that's Nugent. what you would expect, right? So I think in wrestling they call that a face turn, right? But I was totally and as much as um, I, I know someone oh, okay. that's like a, a friend with him, and like they admit they had alluded to something like that. I'm like, yeah, whatever. He's also got that song about uh, you know, I, I'm not even gonna repeat the line, but it, it's on that. It's on the same one with patience, and it's not exactly an evolved uh, lyric. Let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> that it it was the least expected thing ever. So like if the opportunity ever would have, I would totally have Axel on. Cause I think he, I, 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 I find that fascinating. I find that fascinating in a way that I would not have, I would be like, I am not the person to have Axel Rose on before, but I also would want to talk about him, like filling in on ACDC for vocals. I mean, there's endless things to talk about. And he's Axel in the freaking game of Thrones chair. He borrowed from Dick. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, he would never talk to me obviously, but it's, but it's like, that that whole like that kind of stuff is more exciting to me than the entire Guns N' Roses pantheon of music, which is very much not really my my thing. Yeah, I mean, you could ask him how many grand pianos he has in his house. <laughs> what, what color are they? It would it would be like it would either be so utterly delightful for people that are fans of his, or so utterly annoying for people that are fans of his, and I'm not sure which. <laughs> <laughs> there would be no safe middle ground no it would it would be it would be i would be history's greatest monster or the best interviewer of all time and nothing in between like depending on who right. you ask uh, just, just because my my actual interest in his art is uh we'll say negligible yeah yeah uh, anyway that's about me apparently which is is why people tune into this show uh so <laughs> that's uh so that's future side which brings us to the last song stephen hawking one of my favorite uh, people of all time Yes, mine too. I love Stephen Hawking. Uh, so I wrote, I started writing this, uh, yeah, right after he died. I was on tour for denervation and uh, I had brought along a briefer history of time. So the first line of that song, brevity was his objective because he wrote a brief history of time. And then he wrote a briefer history. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that, which I love. I, I, I love the uh, commitment to the bit of that. That's great. <laughs> yeah. 
And he and I think that I really like the lyrics of that first verse. Uh, Brevity is his objective when he tried to tell the people that the black holes could be blacker because he was committed to the idea that black holes are not entirely black. And he was also often accused of his accent sounding Irish. And he's like, it doesn't sound Irish. It sounds British. <laughs> it's a weird thing to be accused of, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't hear it necessarily, no, you know, um, but so, yeah, I mean, I, that song started out as something very different, uh, totally different lyrics that also, it was a song called White Dwarf, which just didn't go anywhere, you know, and it took me a long time to abandon that, that direction and start working once i once i started thinking about it in terms of stephen hawking it practically finished itself you know and then i found some great clips of him that i used in the outro of that song yeah yeah yeah. the clips are cool like they're it, it's it's not like heavy-handed or anything like it fits <laughs> it, fit, it fits in yeah thanks so i mean that was fun you know using those clips and the rachel carson clips i don't i'm not entirely sure of the legality <laughs> of that i'm probably gonna have the stephen hawking police like coming they're on their way right now notoriously litigious stephen hawking estate yes yeah. <laughs> nothing better to do than cruise for podcasts or for songwriters revealing their secrets yeah. <laughs> they're known for it it's a thing it's a little known thing yeah yeah, yeah. Just, just, <clears throat> just remember remember guys snitches get stitches okay <laughs> snitches get that's the theme of the Protonic reversal. Snitches get stitches. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I like the choruses in that song. I think they are unlike any choruses I've written before, um, just in terms of structure and and shape, um, which, you know, like I said earlier, I think that's always the goal, you know, just to not get worse and to keep... <laughs> Keep innovating, you know. <laughs> Bold statement. I like to not get worse. Yes. <laughs> Actually, I'd like to apply that ethos to of some other artists, but uh, you know, hey, no names mentioned. Go. So then, again, Age of Roaches, long awaited, released in December. After a bunch of people already did their year endless, I never understood why people do their year endless before the end of the year. Anyway. Uh, you know, it's it's like the year's still still there's still some time in the year, man. I know. Um, so why don't you wait until like January to do your year end? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it gets earlier every year. Just like the war on Christmas, it gets earlier every year. I know. The, my last two records I've le- released in December. I, I don't know if it, I know. <laughs> How's that working out for you? Is that good? I, I think it's a bad idea. You know? <laughs> Maybe I should just re-release them in like February, and no yeah. one would even notice. Yeah. You know, they'd be like, "Hey, you know what? Kid Dakota's got a new record out." Yep, I do. I do. <laughs> well, I mean, to be clear, though, there's no correct way to do it, and nobody, nobody knows <clears throat> the the actual uh, fight math to get there, right? I mean, it, it, it's and here's here's the foil to our our logic. Taylor Swift released two albums <laughs> in December. Yeah. And I bet she made some lists. Well, you know, it's 
you, you, if you're competing with Taylor Swift, then you know there's only so much attention going around. <laughs> I know. I don't know, man. All, all I know is I like the record a lot, uh, and it's. It, I think it's it's very, very unique. I think anyone that likes your other records uh, will dig this one. I think, you know, people that are looking for a place to dive in, I would say it's a it's a great place to start. Also, thanks, man. Uh, I hope that people check it out. I think the fact that well, so, so again, so rather than going to the Kid Dakota Bandcamp, they should get a grave face for that, right? Is that is that accurate? Would you say to buy it? Yep, Graveface, yep. So that and that's graveface.bandcamp.com. Uh you can get the the vinyl there which features a collage on the front cover which we all like. Courtesy of me. <laughs> and uh you can also get it on uh, all the other things, the things that these kids yeah. these kids and their uh computer <laughs> stuff. You can get it on the Wi-Fi's or the the clouds or whatever, you know. Download it to your internet's <laughs> uh so i mean it, it's out man like is, is does it feel like freeing is it just like another another day in paradise like what's the does it feel you any know, different at all the sad thing i think about getting older and having released records is that it loses a little bit of excitement, you know? It's like, oh, okay, I got it out, you know? It's like, okay, what's next? You know, like, when I I remember when I released The West is the Future, it was like, holy cow, wow, this is an amazing thing, you know? Yeah. You know, oh, whatever. Um, I mean, it still feels good, but basically my my excitement for it happened like six months ago you know <laughs> right right but and, and i guess we have, we've talked around it but i mean the fact is it's you know this is being released during the age of quarantine you know th- during the quarantine times also and that's kind of weird it is weird my ryan from from Graveface, the Graveface guy he said that records are actually selling quite a bit better during quarantine i don't know if you've heard that from other people but yeah uh, i've i've noticed that and that's you know that's nice i mean some people, the privilege probably have a little bit more expendable income because there's nothing. Well, you you can't buy your seven dollar IPAs. You, know, <laughs> right. you can't buy thirty of those every week, right? Yeah, yeah, so exactly. There's, there's like three hundred bucks. Most people have, you know, extra just just from yeah. the partying budget. Most of the privileged people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good for them. Good for them. We need that income to keep it going. Yeah, I mean, for all the, all the, all of us folks that are that are uh, staring down the barrel of a gun, uh, <laughs> thank you. Speaking of which, patreon.com slash Bertonic Reversal, too. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was a hard decision no. doing that. Like, I, I, the only reason I did it is I was able to justify it that it's advanced access, so you get the episode sooner, which also oh, yeah. inoculates me from criticism for not putting them up fast enough. So I like that also. So, Double whammy, man. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Uh, Darren, this is great, man. Uh, we mean to do this again for a while, and uh, I'm, I'm real glad she came back on the show. I'm glad you're making records. What's you, you got? I mean, it's gonna be 14 years for the for the for the next one. I mean, <laughs> I, it wasn't that bad. I guess the innervation was only a couple years ago, right? So that's not that bad. <clears throat> well, I think uh, since I finished. Age of Roaches, uh, my life has been extremely busy with graduate school. 
but I think uh, next semester is going to be a lot less busy. And uh, who knows? I might I might finish a record next semester, you know, and have it have one out. Maybe I'll release one next December. You know, keep it. Maybe I'll go for, try for November this this year. In your face, Taylor Swift. <laughs> You should get Taylor Swift on. This is Taylor Swift, Axel Rose, and, and, and Bonnie Prince Billy. The, Bonnie those Prince three Billy. at the same time. Well, all of them might be possible. The other two might be a bit of a stretch. But you know what? I said the same thing about uh, Tony Visconti and James Williamson. So what are you going to do? Uh, wow, Darren, this is this has been great, man. Thank, thanks so much, and uh, thanks. Hey, thank for, you. Thanks for continuing to put out great music. Uh, I thought this year was going to be the year I finally got to see you play for the first time in my life, but uh, COVID took that away from me. <sighs> you live in uh, Milwaukee, right? Yeah. I love Milwaukee, man. I'll, I'll come hang out there sometime when the pandemic's over and we can Sounds play like some acoustic guitars on, on the deck. And Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that's, uh, that, that, sound, that, sounds, uh, that sounds like non-pastoral fetishism, and I'm here for it. <laughs> Awesome, man. All right, brother. Take care. Hey, you too. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye. Ah, there he goes. Mr. Darren Jackson, Kid Dakota himself. Let's listen to the title track of Age of Roaches.
Kid Dakota, Smokestack, one of my favorite records off of the Timeless Classic, So Pretty. Before that, the title track for Age of Roaches, being a title track, it is indeed called Age of Roaches. There's a kiddakota.bandcamp.com for a lot of the discography. The last two records are on the record label Grave Face. Grave, Grave Face.bandcamp.com. Pick up that new record. It's great. Came out in December. You know, Taylor Swift does it. Calvin Wall City did it. I mean, the fact that it came out in December doesn't mean it isn't a great record. It's, it's awesome. It'd be awesome even if uh, there wasn't that story discography behind him, right? Thank you, Darren Jackson. It's a pleasure. He's uh, an awesome artist, and I feel honored to have him on multiple times. The show's called Kona Neutron's Protonic Reversal. It airs live on Radio Nope, radionope.com, usually Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific, also whenever I damn well feel like it, apparently. This has been a stay-at-home edition. Mr. and Mrs. America, all the ships at sea. There's a pandemic going on. Anyone within the sound of my voice. If you weren't aware. ProtonicReversal.com for the archives. Always free. I've got all the ways to listen are there. Fifty thousand watts of Patreon.com slash ProtonicReversal. One dollar a month to get episodes sooner. You can get them sooner that way. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. I'm going to step it up for the end of the year. There's going to be a bunch of these. So stay tuned. Strap in. Can you hear me now? Stay safe. Out on Route 128. Take it easy. Take it easy. Got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now?
Welcome to my top ten. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. Can you hear? 